All right, we are back for the what, what is this event called? The, the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beaches. Matt Gannon, great to have you back, Jers. This is your hometown event, your your new hometown event, I guess. I don't, I don't think you have always lived there, but uh, you hit a winner here last year. You're fresh off of Sammy Valamaki, runner-up finish at the Mexico Open. You've got to be feeling good uh, coming into this week. As good as zero dollars can can have you feeling, because that second place pays the same as last last place. But overall, I think it was a good call. I think we both uh, had some good eyes on Sammy Valamaki heading into the week. Uh, I pulled the trigger; you did not. But it was definitely a sweat. Was live for the majority of the event. Just fell a, a tad short. Props to Nap pulling it out when he clearly did not have his game. So, uh, very uh, truly an impressive win. And after all the shit we kind of talked on the. Saturday and Sunday because got got very lucky, but he did what he had to do to win that event. Yeah, and we'll talk uh, the Napster and uh, the Mexico Open here momentarily because I think it ended up being an intriguing event from more maybe than I expected. But uh, you're going to have boots on the ground this week, I do believe, at the Cognizant Classic. We're just going to call it the Cognizant for the rest of uh, this podcast because uh, the Cognizant Classic in the Palm Beach is a little long for uh, my liking. But what days are you going to have boots on the ground? Um, I'm sure you're going to have some some content boots on the ground. What's that looking like this week? Yeah, so I'll be there tomorrow and tomorrow through Thursday for sure. Just because, as we know, the practice rounds are where all the action happens. You get eyes on guys. You hit Wyndham at the U.S. Open. You, you knew you saw you saw him swinging. So hopefully, I can find someone on the range that's swinging nice that I can get some uh, eyes on and give you guys the winner. But uh, so I'll be there Wednesday or Tuesday through Thursday, and then one or two days uh, after that. I think I'm not really sure about the weekend yet. Yeah, and all uh, my boots on the ground tips. Like I said, I usually go to the the major boots on the ground practice rounds. It's trust your gut. If you see a guy who's right. striping it, a guy who looks good, ride him. If a guy's looking bad, he looks bad. I think like you know, people will say that you can't tell from practice rounds how guys are going to play. I would disagree. It's uh, most of the experience that I've like. You end up with a group of people who all look pretty good. Then it becomes kind of tough to to narrow down amongst them. But if a guy, in my opinion, can't hit the greens, can't hit the fairways during a practice round. Uh, I don't think too often that leads to them hitting the fairways and the greens in the tournament. Now, of course, they can from time to time. So we'll be on the lookout. I'll be in the, the group chat. I'm sure you'll post in the Discord uh, some things you're seeing boots on the ground. Uh, I do, before we dive into it, as, as we get deeper into the podcast game, I realize you got to say stuff like this. Like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. The podcast is up there everywhere. We've gotten some some nice positive responses yeah. to the pod uh, so far, which is really exciting. And then uh, golf.vincerics.com. Uh, good traffic there. We've got the uh, model now and the form and the course and the odds. And then obviously on vincerics.com uh, for the subscribers. We've got articles and things like that. And overall, pretty good week last week. Uh, despite not having Jake Knapp, I had nine men on the card. All nine make it through the cut, which uh, wow. gave me a lot of uh, balls in the hopper going into the weekend. Uh, EVR with a uh, great start and then not a great finish. Jaeger, I think, ended up being the highest finisher for me, but some people in the Discord uh, cashing some nice DFS winners, pulling together those players. And then if you, of course, were on Saturday Valley and Mackie, so give me what Sunday, maybe even Saturday and Sunday, what did it feel like? What did it look like? What was going through your mind as you sweated uh, Sammy Valley in the final two rounds? Yeah, I wasn't really upset about Saturday. Like sometimes you just get beat, and Jake Knapp went out and balls to the wall. What do you shoot? Eight, seven or eight under on on Saturday. Eight under, eight under. I think made eleven birdies, something like that. So look, Saturday was fine. We got beat heading into the weekend with a, a Sunday with a four shot lead. 
you and I both thought it was going to be a fight on on Sunday. We both talked in our chat. It was like, this is not over. Like, it's going to be a fight. Uh, first time, 54-hole lead. He's never won a Corn Ferry Tour event before, just a few Canada events. So this is a new pressure for Jake Knapp, and he felt it immediately on the first few holes. I, I, I saw those things in the swing. I talked about it in the group chat. We joke about it. But as soon as I said it again, they brought it up on the broadcast. His swing looks very guided. And yes, it was, but he did what he had to do to right the ship and hit fairways down the stretch. So very impressive, a truly a very impressive uh, gutsy finish from Jake Knapp. He scrambled his ass off, but the sweat from Sammy was, he he didn't quit. He could have like laid down and just, he did not quit. Missed a few putts probably when he needed them, but I can, you cannot be upset with the fight that Sammy put up and just an overall it's hard to believe that this is probably one of the better finishes we had, even though it was only two guys. Genesis was cool, but I felt a different type of sweat and maybe it was just, I had a guy in the in contention, but I thought it was good television and a good sweat. Yeah. And I think that was the thing for me with nap uh, coming into the tournament and over the, the last few rounds, obviously you, uh, I think you were a full fade on uh nap. No I, chance. Uh, no chance. I, uh, I was kind of middle of the road. I thought the price was, you know, too low for a guy who's, who's never won on the PGA tour or really won on the corn ferry. But, uh, statistically, I think it, it made sense coming in. So I was kind of wait and see mode on him. Unfortunately, that waiting and seeing meant, uh, that I probably will never be able to cash a winner on him at any right. good price in the future, but his swing, this is what we talked about last week. It is absolutely beautiful aesthetically, but at the same time, there's a reason a lot of guys on the PGA Tour don't swing the way that Jake Knapp swings with that much going on because it doesn't take much for that motion to get out of sorts for things to start going haywire, which for me was going to be super interesting going into the weekend because the first two rounds, he put up some astronomical uh, ball striking numbers, insane. which was insane. And so then going to the weekend, it's like, okay, can he handle this under the gun? He comes out there in the third round and absolutely does handle it under the gun. The ball striking is great. The short game, though, around the green plan Saturday is not good, but the putting is great. And then final round early, we see what happens when that swing gets out of sync. Uh, there's if you're wondering why Jake Knapp is 29 years old and we're just now hearing about him, it's I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I don't know a ton about him, but I'm gonna say when you swing it like that, uh, there's not a, it takes something to have that queued up and lined up consistently he clearly figured something out within the last year to year and a half uh that's allowed him to do that but we saw what can go wrong with swing like that but then because he had built such a big lead over the chasing pack that was ultimately i think what won it for him exactly. yesterday is that he had a seven like, shot he deserved, lead. like he deserves it yeah he deserves it. yeah he had a seven shot lead over third place uh, i believe going into the final round and then it's obviously that there wasn't there wasn't 10 under rounds, you know, out there on the course, there was five, six right. under rounds. So then it becomes him against Sammy. And it's almost like as soon as Sammy tied him up and then started to struggle a little bit, he almost got boosted confidence from that. Cause he's like, fuck, I blew the tournament, but now I've been given a second chance. And that almost, he looked so much more confident on those last five, six holes. Yeah. And as, as soon as Sammy hit that drive on number seven to like six feet for Eagle, that up and down by Jake Knapp was absurd. He was short sided on a downhill slope and he hit a beautiful, or I don't think it was a bunker shot. It might've been bunker shot to basically kick in. And that right there, I was like, shit, we might have like a, a two shot swing here, a, a two and a four, but instead, uh, Knapp made birdie. Sammy made Eagle and we were tied. And I was like, we needed to get that. We needed to get that leg up. And then it was never really, uh, in, Sammy never really felt in control after that. I made it made a few mistakes, but I just got to give a shout out to Jake Knapp's scrambling on the back nine. He had the exact same chip on like eight consecutive holes in the back <laughs> nine. That like fifteen to thirty yard little spinner 
that he put to within six feet every single time. So those aren't easy shots under pressure. Those aren't easy shots under like super tight bare lies. And he did what he had to do to win. So I did say Jake Knapp had no chance heading into the week. Hand up. I will always admit to be wrong. And I was wrong. But you, you got to it's you got to go on a limb and give takes. So. Yeah. And, and well, that will always is. be true about this pod. We're going to say guys are going to win. We're going to say guys aren't going to win. We're not going to come on here and say, oh, yeah, we like everybody. They have all got a chance because right. that's not entertaining. And then people can listen and, and think during the week. Damn, they were so wrong about this. And it gives, you know, so that's fine. And what, But I think that point you made is what I'm most impressed about Nap going forward is not actually that he has this beautiful swing and that he can pop on approach and he's got all this distance he has the ability to scramble and make putts. He came into the tournament uh, having back-to-back positive putting efforts at Torrey and at Waste, a different type of grasses he was able to putt there. He looked good with the putter inside 10 feet. Saturday was really the only day where he made long putts, but he was so comfortable on those short putts. Pretty much the second he hit it with the putter, he was already walking after it to grab it out of the hole in those five to 10 footers. In the short game, I thought was a problem because on Wednesday or on uh, Saturday, he wasn't getting anything up and down. And then Sunday, he literally had to get everything up and down uh, to win. So with that, I know you were a fade on him. Now he wins. What is your feeling about him going forward the rest of the year? Do you think he's going to be in the mix more often? Do you think this is a flash in the pan against a weak field? What's the Jake Knapp uh, hypothesis for the rest yeah, of the year? Yeah, I, I mean, great golfer. I still don't see him doing it on... I see him on Sahit the Gala golf courses. I see him on cam davis golf courses i'm not i don't he might miss the cut this week at pga national he hits two of those wild drives he hit the other uh later week he's missing the cut he's making a double or a triple so he's fine he has his course fits mexico was clearly a course where you could drive it anywhere you drive it anywhere on any other golf course you're making a minimum of bogey and he he had some of the worst drives i've ever seen and made some <laughs> incredible bogeys that you could not have made anywhere else besides mexico so uh, yeah, fine. He'll, he'll have his spots, but I don't see it as like a every week type guy. Yep, I agree. I think on those courses with uh, ex- with long irons and where distance can be an advantage because that's the thing. Like he gains a shit ton on approach, but part of that is when you're hitting eight eight iron versus when somebody's hitting five iron. Yes, some of that, a lot of that is built into the off the tee numbers, but it's also a lot easier to stuff one to two feet from closer than it is right. everybody else into 30 feet. So you actually can gain more on approach being closer to the hole, even though some of that is baked of into course, off yeah. the tee, which we saw there. So, um, and then yeah, going down the board, what's uh, he's playing this week. I think he's somebody who's always uh, on people's minds as a potential bet. I, I pulled the trigger on him last week. I think T three ties his best finish on the PGA tour. What is Steven Yeager? I think Steven Yeager might just be a guy when the scoring conditions are between minus 10 to minus 15. It's, it's Yeager bomb seasons because he, I was tracking him obviously all week. I had him. He just ends up somehow shooting three, four under every single round, but he Quietly. never, ever, it's always quiet. It's always under the radar. As somebody who wasn't on Jaeger, do you have any thoughts about him and what he did last week? Yeah, I, I think we talked about him last week. I, I, I said he was a great DFS play because he's never out of it. He can shoot the first round lead and then kind of give some back, but still be there. Or he could just go slow, 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 and then just pop at the end and finish that backdoor T10, T5. So I I, I like Jaeger. I play him like every single week in DFS because he's just a consistent golfer. We've only seen him in the mix a few times, and it hasn't been great. He was okay at Torrey, but he's still getting kind of getting his feet. He's he's old. I don't know how old he is exactly. Maybe like 33, but he's not like a new Stevie, guy, so he yeah. should be more comfortable. 34 years and nine months old for Stevie Yeggs. Won a ton of times on the uh, Corn Ferry, but yeah, he's, I yeah. mean, he's, 
he's made like 25 some cuts in a row or some insane number of cuts in a row. And he's finally like he had all those made cuts in a row, but none of them were like top 10 finishes. Now he's got top three and two of his last three starts. He's clearly moving in the right direction. He's doing good stuff. So I think we got to keep our eyes on Jaeger going He's a B tier Xander. Literally. He's a B tier <laughs> yeah. Xander. That's actually, that's as he was like charging up the leaderboard uh, yesterday. I was like, we've got our like good at everything. Like he has no overwhelming, amazing stats. I know he hits it far, but he's just solid all around. He's that's, that's our take. He is a B tier Xander. And then just going down the board a bit, Bobby Mack. We talked about Bobby Mack last week. I had a feeling Bobby Mack was going to be back. Uh, switched over to the past column. Apparently, he uh, they were talking about on the broadcast. Uh, Brad Faxon, Rory told Bobby Mack, you need to get with Brad Faxon. He didn't put amazing. He uh, barely gained, but still. Uh, the ball striking than what for he was Bo- doing. Yeah, the ball striking for Bobby Mack is there. EVR, he popped early. Uh, I this is uh there's no stats to back this up this is an eyeball i think he left every single putt short the entire week i don't think he got a single putt to the hole so if on the odd chance uh evr is uh, playing we love you but please get the ball to the hole next time that i've got you and you are in the mix because it was frustrating to watch and then our guy bsb novak back-to-back top 10 finishes for your man andrew novak he was able to get away from the uh, football podcasts and yeah. uh, put together another strong performance are you gonna are there gonna be eyes on uh bsb novak tomorrow when you've got boots on the ground oh for sure he, he he's the, he's a great guy and he's definitely uh playing some great golf so you got to ride it while you can because it doesn't very it doesn't come very often at least in his early career so uh, Novak told me he does not love PJ national, but okay. no one likes PJ national. No one likes, I've not heard one good golfer say one good thing about PJ national. It's part of the reason that no one plays, but, uh, literally, yeah, truthfully, he tells me he's not really excited to play PJ national because it's such a mental grind for 72 mm-hmm. holes, whether you're in the mix or not. Cause you could be clear, clear T 10, two swings. You're missing the cut. So, uh, yeah, it's just a grind, but he's playing good golf. So can't, gotta, gotta give that to him. One more thing from Mexico. This isn't just from Mexico. This is the season to this point. And I think it's something now that is is more than a trend because we had Valimaki second, uh, Bobby Mack T6. Obviously, Pavone's been great. There's been a variety of guys from the DP. We, if you had told me when I found out that the DP players were going to be graduating to the PGA Tour, that they were going to come out and be in the mix almost every single tournament, especially in these weaker field events. I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said, no way the DP World Tour players are not good golfers. I would have been wrong because clearly there is not much difference between a DP World Tour event and these lower level PGA Tour events. Um, what's What are your thoughts on what's taking place here? Because I'll put my hand up and I'll say I am shocked by how every single week we're getting guys on the DP who almost didn't even mix that often on the DP. Like Valamaki is a guy who would pop up from time to time. Pavone right. never did anything on the DP until like very recently. Uh, what are you surprised? Like, what's your yeah? Oh, yeah. How could we not be? Because me and you have bet nearly like every single DP World Tour event over the last two years, and we track every single DP World Tour event every single week. We see golfers play awesome for three days and just completely obliterate themselves have literally zero guts so i think it's got to just be i mean we, we're, we're not wrong for having those takes like it's what we've seen for two straight years now they're coming out showing guts and looking like great golfers but the thing is like maybe they're like like uh balamaki said he's under the radar and maybe they're just having that feeling where we're underdogs we're, we have we're just playing free that's the only way i could think of like the case that they're playing so well so not really sure what it is exactly but very surprised by how they've started out in 2024. Yeah, and I think Val Mackey had an interesting quote 
uh, after the round yesterday, just talking about how on the DP World Tour, they're going to different countries. They're seeing different grass types, different style of golf courses, I think is a big thing on the DP World Tour. You can go one week. Oh, yeah. They're playing it like this week, South Africa. They're going to play like a pseudo Lynx course. Last week in Kenya was this positional, super tight, like super short course. course. So many different types of golf courses, I think, on the DP World Tour versus on the PGA Tour. For the most part, Obviously, the courses are different. The grass are different. You kind of have the same theme of the skill set that you need to be good on almost every single PGA Tour course. If you hit it long, you're good with your irons. You're going to play good in most PGA Tour events versus on the DP. There's some weeks where it literally it only comes down to like around the green play or it only comes down right. to whatever. Um, so we'll see if it continues here this week at the uh, Cognizant Classic. This is your home event, as we said. You're familiar with the course. You hit a winner here last year. Mr. Chris Kirk, uh, a great bet at 30 to 1. Give me Matt Gannon's hometown takes on what is required to succeed in the Palm Beaches here at PJ National. Yeah, definitely a, a great event we have on our, on our hands this week. We have a much better field than we usually have to do, but it just kind of come down to overall guts, play in the fairway, hit the green, avoid bogey, roll a few putts when you need to. I'm going to, I'm going to guess around 17 under 16 under win wow. we have an extra we have an extra par five right. on number 10 so but it is playing what, what was the final score last year i don't remember actually i have it uh right it was 14 there. under last year and i think it's something 14. i wrote up on uh in the course preview on vincerics where there's also matt's uh, player write-ups which i think are hilarious this week and also super insightful so it's not just uh boring stats based nerd talk uh just spices it up with uh some takes yeah. i think you if, you, if you're looking for those check those out but this tournament I was looking back over and back to 2015. There has been a steady progression to this being more of a putting contest than it used to be historically. This used to be tee to green. You only needed to gain a tiny bit with the putter, all ball striking, all tee to green. It's gotten easier. The scoring hasn't necessarily reflected that. Like minus 14 last year was some of the best scoring in a long time, but the GIR rates increasing and the need to gain with the putter is increasing. And then this year we see they've widened the fairways a little bit, an acre worth of grass added to the fairways across the course, uh, back to what the course looked like in 2012, 2013. Uh, there's been rain throughout the fall, the like write-ups that the tour does about the, the course conditions, talked about the course being wetter, the rough not being as lush. So I think we're going to get pretty good scoring conditions this week. And I was, I was interested to see that it has shifted a little bit more to a putting contest than maybe it was before. Yeah, I do think it will play a little bit firmer than we're thinking because we haven't gotten rain in a while. But over the last, I guess, few months, it's rained more than normal. There's an El Nino, if you were wondering about the weather. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I do think we will see lower than normal just based off we're getting a par 5 instead of, on, of a par 4 number 10. They only move the tee box 20 yards, so it's literally going to be the damn near the exact same hole. And not that it was an overly hard par 5. It played like a fifth of a stroke over – par last year so it's going to be a lot a birdie hole for the most part so par 71 instead of par 70 just by default add a stroke or two to the final score and i think this is an interesting way to kick it off you hit chris kirk here last year i, I think he was a medium popular pick among right. the uh, twitter twitter sphere when you picked chris kirk last year what went through your head when you saw him like what was the what led you to pick chris kirk last year yeah, he was coming off of a great fall. He had a T3 at Amex. I had another solid start. And his just irons and irons and driving accuracy was clicking. And that's kind of what I was looking for at uh, for this week. And he has great course history at PGA National, a, a noted Florida swing guy, Chris Kirk. So yeah, it wasn't very it wasn't a very in-depth pick. I think everyone that 
saw Chris Kirk winning and looking at his stat profile, I was like, yeah, that made a ton of sense. So it wasn't one of my like flashier winners of my career, but it was a pretty straightforward, good ball striking form, good course history, 35 to one. Let's do it. It's that simple sometimes. But, and I think what's interesting is the driving accuracy versus driving distance here, because like the oh, correlations, sure. when we look at the, the shot link correlations on Mitzerich's distance is actually pretty high here versus the average course, which I think is interesting because it's not like a driver heavy course, but and then we've also like Straka is not a bomber, but he does have plus distance. He's also an accurate driver. So that's like the win-win scenario. Yeah. Obviously, this guy hits it long and straight. But like Matt that. Jones is not an accurate driver. He's a distance guy. That year that he won, Brandon Heggie was second place. He was one of the like biggest yeah, bombers that you're ever going to see. We've had Keith Mitchell win this tournament, who's obviously a bomber. Um, but I think and Brooks was second here. Uh, we've had Luke List has a second, like a runner-up or third place. Roy McIlroy. Roy McIlroy. Like, it's an interesting one in the driving distance, driving accuracy conversation, because ultimately guys aren't going to be hitting driver that much A long hitter. That means that they may, instead of having to hit their three wood, they're hitting three iron or four iron or whatever it is. They can find the fairways at a little bit higher of a rate. So that's one for me that like, I'm gonna have to think about it a little bit more, but I think it's one of the tougher tournaments to judge the off the tee play just because you get that less than driver, but you what's can gain in both ways. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what po like jumps out the most and maybe a way to think about it without having to think about the pure stats is pretty much back to 2018, at least like the last six winners have all played well at Sony the year that they won at Honda. And I think a big reason for that is we don't get a lot of Bermuda events, obviously early in the year, we, we play in Hawaii and then they go play West coast and you get guys like Straka who this year has lost putting and all three starts he played on the West coast, but now he's coming back to Bermuda. It's almost like you can throw away those events because right. they get back on the grass that they like. Uh, there's a big overlap with success at Sony and then coming on to win this tournament. I think it's because that's pretty much the last time we see Bermuda, the the approach profiles are similar, and well, why a lie? Always one of the toughest places to spell when doing a course write-up. So it was. I was annoyed this week when I realized I was going to have to write, write why a lie a few times. But it's also another course where you can gain with both distance and accuracy. So I think there's a lot to like with the uh, Sony overlap. And we talked about Tori being an overlap last week. Obviously, Jake Knapp third at Tori, then he went to Mexico. So. It may be as simple Yeager. as go look at the top 20, top 30 on the leaderboard at Sony, find a guy who maybe played one good event on the West Coast, and and there you go. Yeah, that Tory crossover truly, we talked about it, you brought it to my eyes, and then it came right to fruition. I was wrongly on the wrong Tory guys who played well, but uh, yeah, Jaeger and Knapp, they both finished T3 at both courses, so pretty straightforward and a great correlation that you found. And I like I'm almost getting to the point where we we both love making models more than you know we like to get in there yeah. and crunch the numbers. But there's some value I think in just some of the basic like overlaps like those things like where it's like you can spend oh, yeah. all the time in the numbers or you can just go and say like this course is like this course this guy just played well like I'm gonna bet this guy and I'm trying to because that's what we do we do on live you know there's no stats for live you just right. kind of have the vibes and like what you know about the course that they played so going forward the rest of this year I'm trusting the numbers but I'm also trying to keep it simple so that's my goal for this event and here in the cognizant classic he's playing for the first time when was the last time i played this event that's like 16 14 uh well he played in 2018 he's got a crazy course history here yeah unreal uh he's got a win and a t2 he's also got two cuts and a t59 uh as i said though they did widen the fairways the last time the fairways were this wide was 2012 when rory won the tournament so it's very possible that the pga tour told rory hey we need you to play the Cognizant Classic 
we also will rig the course for you. <laughs> Are you worried at all that this tournament may be pre-rigged for uh, Rory's to win this week? Well, Rory usually does well coming back to courses he won at like in the past when he took some time off. So a little nervous. I don't think we're going to get a runaway. He uh, He's not hitting the ball tre- tremendously. Two straight weeks he's lost on approach, but it's literally not a concern. He could turn it on at any point, had that week off to come back home. He's playing a home game, something Rory and I both have in common this week. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he can he can get off to a hot start. I, I don't know how you could stomach the whatever, 8-1 to one based on the recent form and the, the trouble this course can present. But, yeah, I think I no real hard or strong feelings about Rory. Yeah, he uh, he's obviously going to gain off the tee. You look at his course history here, he's gained a ton off the tee every single year, and then you add in that this year it does appear that distance and some wider fairways may play a little bit into the hands of, of what he obviously does best. His approach play here has never been very good. Uh, his around the green game has been fine. His putting has been hit and miss. I would agree with you that uh, the single bullet on Rory is probably not in the cards for me. Now, if he does, w- and... If he wins, it's rigged. So then you just say, like, ah, oh, the tournament was rigged. It's, it doesn't count. So uh, I'll pass on Rory this week. But I think, is he more likely to finish top 10 or miss the cut? Top 10. Okay. He, uh, for the record here, he has two top 10s and two missed cuts. So it's, it's uh, been interesting. A little 50-50 chance. He, uh, he hasn't missed a cut since uh, the Masters, when uh, I believe you were on him there at, so Ag- heavily. <laughs> at Augusta. So he's he's playing well. He uh, It was the big number that cost him both at Pebble and uh, Genesis. I think we, and we talked about this with Roy before. If you like Roy this week, just bet him first round leader uh, because yeah, when he that. plays well, he gets off to a good start and he kind of just, and then it's off to the races. So if you do want some Roy exposure or if you're afraid of Roy this week, you think he's uh, going to win the tournament, but you don't want to have him be the only man on your uh, outright card sling him a first round leader yeah i'm definitely on that i definitely hit two rory first round leaders in the last year and a half so i'm down for that this this week because i kind of been here and there playing my dfs pool first round leaders and i think i'm he he will be in that pool and he will be on the first round leader card and uh there's like a they're the matches tonight right rory's warming up in the match what's down literally five minutes away uh i you can't go sadly because it's for capital one card holders only Uh, and like you have to be like very exclusive in that. So I would love to go. It's literally down the street. Uh, yeah, it's Rory, Max, Lexi, and Roseanne. Kind of vibey, honestly. So gonna they're playing. It's like a skins match or something, right? Or like it's not, is it is it teams or is it everybody for themselves? No, it's everyone for themselves. So there obviously be some sort of handicap in that. But it's a sweet course. It's the closest thing you'll get to Seminole. That's not Seminole. If anybody needs a handicap right now, it might be Max. Uh, he might be the one who actually needs the uh, the handicap. Uh, you should have told me. I wish I would have known that was the case because my girlfriend is a product manager at Capital One. I could have got you into the Capital One match. Maybe I still could. I'll uh, I'll text you. But uh, yeah, but, I will uh, literally go. Yeah, that uh, I had no idea that was the case, but I can almost assure you that uh, I can get that up there. I wish I would have known because then I would have come down. We would have gone to the match. We would have gone to Boots on the Ground oh, at yeah. uh, PGA National, but we live and we learn and we'll get that next time. So we got Rory up top and then it's a pretty big drop off after that just from the quality of players. We get into the 20s and a man who 
I'm not going to say he has no chance to win because statistically I see how he could have a chance to win. Uh, this is a man though, who I've talked about a couple of pods ago is not a winner by any stretch of the imagination. He is not going to drop down in the class into one of these weaker field events and win. he has proven that that is not what he does. He's proven that he actually tends to play better in the bigger tournaments. You did say though, earlier last week that you had your eyes on CY. I know he's your guy. I know you would love to, to have a winner on him at your home uh-huh. event as of today, Monday, the 26th. Uh, how are you feeling about CY? Yeah, I just see the path of him shooting three under for four straight days. And I don't know if that's going to do it, but he is striping the ball off the tee. He is going to be on second base. Like you said, the distance will be key here. He's been long and accurate. The iron play has been solid too. Uh, I just, like you said, he's not a winner. He doesn't have those guts on Sunday. I think he's a great, I don't think he'll be popular at all. A great contrarian play in DFS. He could definitely finish inside the top 10 and possibly get himself in the mix. I was thinking we were going to get a 30 or a high 20s on him. He's like near 20 to 1. I don't know if I could pull that trigger on a guy who's legitimately never won. And this is a golf course where one bad swing can kill you. You, We're going to have to make decisions. He's definitely still under consideration, but I do like his path to success here. Yeah, I uh, like I said, it's it's never going to be Cam Young for me in these type of events. And I think it's just like you see a guy like Jake Knapp who goes and plays a course that that fits his profile. He hadn't won shit in his career and he shows up and wins like Cam Young went last year and played all of those lower level events to try to pick up a win. He hasn't done it. Uh, I think he'll be in the mix. I think I almost would lock him in for a top 20, but I also would lock him in for having no chance to win. So like I'm placing him in that category where he's on the leaderboard, he's in the mix and there's just never a moment at all where I think he's going to win, but he, uh, he'll be fun to watch in person. Boots on the ground. Always a good guy to watch us slash the driver out there and, and hit the big draw. But he, he falls into the bucket with Russ Henley. Another one of your guys, uh, Matty Fitz. He was like in the thirties, almost 40 to one. I think, uh, earlier this morning, he got cut. Yeah, he's in the high 20s, which is a spot that he, he should never. I don't care if he's what the tournament is or where it is. Like, Fitz can win. He should never be in the 40 to 1 against a field like this or 30 to 1. But among Russ, Matty Fitz, Ben On, those are all the guys who are sub 30 right now with Cameron Young. Of those four guys, uh, you can only have one who finishes the highest of those four. Um, I'm gonna have to go with my guy Russ. Like he's he's a truther to me. He he's he's a place in my heart, and the path for Russ is very simple. These you play Russ on Russ courses, and this is definitely one of the Russ Russ courses. Drive the ball straight, hit your middle irons, and gain strokes on Bermuda, which he does well. I'm nervous he's gonna be a bit chalky, but he does have a win here in his career. Does have great results here in his career. A little bit of a mixed bag too, but I like Russ to continue to play well on Russ courses. Yeah, I uh, and a note on the chalkiness. You have historically had a take that you don't bet people that are on the most tipped charts. Always a nice thing uh, to see on on Twitter who those most tipped are. Shout out to at uh, Golf Tips Checker who puts that together. But we now also have on uh, Golf Top and Sarex the movement of the odds as well during the week. Since we've launched that in the last two weeks, both winners from where they opened in the open that we post, you know, like nine a.m. Eastern time, whatever. Drifted, both of them. Hideki was a 10% drift. Uh, Jake Knapp, a 7% drift last week. So you're gaining steam. Your, you're gaining steam in your uh, fading of uh, the, the tips board this year. Like, I think we were like, we would give you some shit about that, but it's, it's, you're looking accurate now. Yeah. I mean, I, if I, one thing about me is if I'm going to say something, I'm going to dive into it and not go back. So I, I'll look stupid in a week, but I'm just going to 
live and die on that on whatever hill I'm on. So that's my tip. Fade the chart. Most tipped can win once a year at max. And that's that's it. So if you're new to getting into golf betting, don't bet the chalk. And especially not at PGA National. Chalk dies at PGA National at 8 a.m. on Thursday morning. So just be prepared to tilt this week because this is one of the more tiltier tracks you can imagine. Well, a very tough DFS week. Six to six rate will be very low. Uh, just a, a super fun but super tilting week. And that's why a guy like Russ Henley, who has made the cut in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of nine starts, just speaks to the the course fit because you don't like even now there is. I saw a tweet that said course history doesn't matter here. That is false. Uh, pretty much yeah. every guy back the last first time winner was like 2008 Ernie Els way back in the day. Like this is a course where even if you've played poorly, you need some experience. You need to get used to right. the course, but it, even the good players who have good course history, it's kind of like that Rory one we just talked about where it kind of goes back and forth like T2 and also then they get cut and back and forth. Russ eight and nine made cuts here. Uh, if there's a guy that you can trust this week, I'd have a hard time pointing to somebody to trust more than Russ, especially coming off that T4 at Sony before that T13 at the RSM T2 at Wyndham T6 at FedEx, all the courses you'd expect Russ to play well on. He has been playing well. And then a T24 at Riv, which I don't think is a great course fit uh, for him. He doesn't have the distance and he finishes T24 there. So uh, I'm, he's going to be popular. He's going to be on the chart. I'm starting to fade the chart too. So I don't know if he's going to make the card, but, but I like him this week. And, the other guy who's going to be super popular, who makes a ton of sense, probably makes the most sense when you combine his distance, his course history here, is Ben on. Yeah. I assume you're instant. You just know he's going to be popular, and you're going to be out on Ben on this week. That's my, I, my guess. He's definitely like in my initial thoughts, but I he I feel like he is going to be popular. I'm seeing a ton of them, but it's hard to argue with what he's doing. Like he's coming off one of a, a great ball striking performance at Genesis in a loaded field. Very impressive and has amazing course history. He hasn't gained less than three strokes ball striking in his career at this event. So, and he's putted well on Bermuda, on at, at least this uh, yeah. PGA National Bermuda, because his gigaboo is, is the putter. He doesn't putt great here and there, but he's proven to putt well here. So, and he's arguably have in the best form of his career. I think you could say that with the way the golf world is now. So, I think Ben On makes a ton of sense. We're going to have to see how chalky he is but the number is tough on a guy who's not like a prolific winner my yeah so going into this week i thought ben on was going to be a play for me and then i woke up this morning i uh was on i was on twitter and i saw he tweeted uh somebody tweeted it's been on week he quote tweeted it with a gif of not looking confident yeah the michael scott like concerned i know he's joking i know he's fucking around but when you're already a loser on the PGA Tour, who's never won anything, and you also just missed a four-foot putt to win, win effectively the Sony, which there's another positive, the Sony like overlap here. He's going to play well. I'd be shocked if he doesn't play well, but at 28, 35 to 1, whatever it is that you get on him, I can't, with my heart, back a guy who literally tweeted. If he had tweeted, like, I'm winning this week, I mean, I'm in a hundred percent. I might single bullet the whole Most thing. Tip, like, yeah. yeah. Like I don't Let's care. Do I'm down, but we can't be tweeting stuff like that uh, before the tournament. So unfortunately due to that, I will be out. And if I, if, if I lose that, I can sleep totally fine. It's little things that you have to make with yourself to get on or off guys. Like there's going to be cross offs. That's one of them. Like, it probably will change nothing. If Ben on did not tweet this, we would be so high. And I'm like, yeah, 
it all makes a ton of sense. But no, you got to follow, follow him on Twitter. Yeah, no, that's a that's a no for me, especially after we talked about him and Twitter a couple of weeks ago. And then at waste, he was tweeting shit, played terrible. Like, he needs to get off Twitter. If, if Benon stops tweeting, I think he picks up his first one on the PGA Tour. But right now, uh, too much time on that. Twitter, not enough time thinking about how he can close the door better. Uh, we move into this next tier of guys. And there are some the first of all the the flags of a variety of different countries here that fall into the next tier and we have seen honda is a place where uh, we get some international winners sep straka of course from austria a winner here uh matt jones australia sunk three of the last four winners we've gone international uh here we've had um scott win Roger harrington so i think I literally just made this up as we were talking, but I think there could be a winner in this next tier of international players. Uh, I'm going to list off some international players and uh, you give me the least likely to win and the most likely to win out of this bunch. Tom Kim, he's 30 to one. Uh, the course fit makes sense. Of course, a winner at Wyndham. Shane Lowry uh, absolutely fucks in Florida for some reason. Uh, Minwoo Lee. Uh, we'll talk about the Minwoo Lee flow chart. I'm sure Corey Connors, Sungjae or Steven Yeager. Which of those international guys do you think could continue the trend of international success at uh, PJ Nash? So Sep's not in that category. Uh, you can have Sep if you're. Actually, I'll give you Sep and Pavone and Rasmus. Oh, you, well. you can have all of those guys to choose from. No matter what we're saying today, this is all in the without Pavone market because he's probably winning. So with that being said, uh, who was the name? Corey Connors, Lowry, and you said one more after that. Uh, Tim, Tom Kim, Shane Lowry, Minwoo, Corey Connors, Sungjae, Yeg, Straka, Pavone, okay. and, and Rasmus. I would probably, probably go Jaeger or Lowry, most likely to win. Least likely to win out of that group. Minwoo, Flowchart, or Rasmus. Yeah, would... Rasmus, absolutely no shot. If, if Rasmus yeah. wins this tournament, I might be done with golf betting. Because yeah. he, like... Rasmus's game is is send it for he should have played Mexico. I, I'm sure there's a reason yeah. he wasn't allowed to play Mexico, but Mexico is where Rasmus would have been great because he can just send it from the tee and then make infinity putts. He'll putt well here. He can get hot with the putter and have a, like a solid finish, but he's going to miss way too many fairies. He's going to be if he goes the whole week without hitting it in the water. Uh, I'll be shocked if the, if anybody out there is that a sports book could put together a prop of uh, does Rasmus hit it in the water this week. I'm in on that one. Uh, I agree with you, Pavone. This is uh, we're talking about without Pavone market this week. Number one in the model. Uh, and when that happened, is I was like, really? yeah, I was like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But then I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, he actually has played the best golf of anybody in this field. So yeah. he should be number one in the model. Like he's crushing it with the irons and the putting. Uh, he played good at Sony. The only question with him is he took a couple weeks off. Like, does his heater continue? That was weird. But like on paper, it all makes sense. Uh, I like Sep this week. I think it's a great bounce. 45 to 1 on Sep. Like, that's a good bet in my book. Uh, he is throwing people off the scent with those three poor performances. Like, not bad performances. Uh, he just putted terrible on the West Coast. And, like, you literally cannot hold that against Sep in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, for me, least likely to win is going to be Minwoo flowchart. Uh, for people who don't know the Minwoo flowchart, it's, again, pretty simple. Uh, there's two. One question you ask yourself. Is this a Lynx course? If the answer is yes, Minwoo can win the tournament, and you bet Minwoo. If it is not a Lynx course, you say no, and you don't bet Minwoo. He can play fine. That's the weird thing about Minwoo. He's got that player's performance was pretty good. He was fine here last year because he can club down. He'll that two iron. He'll get that two iron yeah. pumping through the, the wind. But Minwoo flowchart week, it, it's not for me. Yeah, I agree. And I like. I think we're both aligned on Sep this week because his last performances here were really good. Uh, I think it was a win in the T5. Is that correct? Or a win in the T4? 
Yeah, except yeah, he. Uh... And both of those performances, he came in losing strokes on approach in his last few starts, or losing strokes ball striking in total. So clearly, the West Coast is not for set. Comes back to where he feels comfortable. He's a Georgia Bulldog. Similar grasses, similar part of the country. Set flux, set flux in Florida. Kind of, I guess, luck sacked his way into that win two years ago, but he won. So, yeah, and he played great last year. So, I think I'm down for Sep. Like, he's a winner. He's got guts. Like, you don't just shoot nearly 59 on Sunday to win without guts. No, and, and before the West Coast, he finished second at the Hero at T12 at, uh, at Century. So, like, everywhere he's been playing, and before that was a T14 at the Tour Championship. Like, any, anytime he's on Bermuda, he plays great. Uh He's as likely, I don't know why he's 45 to one. So yeah, I, I'll give Sep a serious consideration this week. Uh, Connors, what's the deal with Connors? I le- I legitimately, like, I don't think I wrote him up in our, for you, because I might've just missed him on the thing, but Connors is, a, I think is a great play. Farrah Green, two putt, avoid the water, but he's not playing great. He, uh, T59 and cut here historically. My thing with Connors Odd. is he's not a serious golfer. Uh, he, cl- yeah. like, Maybe he does practice. If anybody, like, no offense, Corey, if you're listening, like, let me know if you practice your putting and your chipping. Because how has he not improved his putting and chipping in any way, shape, or form? Like, he knows all he has to do is improve that a tiny bit, and he's winning all the time on the PGA Tour, and it's the worst that it's ever been. So, like, I can't. Yeah, it's him. bad. It's no, horrible. it is bad. I maybe that's why I didn't see him because he's just an unserious golfer. But yeah, Corey Connors, I don't. I hate him just because of the driving accuracy prowess and iron play he he presents, but everyone's going to be missing greens here. Everyone's going to have to make those six to 10 foot par putts. Do not trust Corey Connors to do that. Uh, always the question. I think the question every single time that they play, they're basically the same golfer, uh, except one is a winner and one is a loser. JT Poston versus Eric Cole this week, head to head matchup. They're both 30 to one. Who do you like? Like I probably would say JT Poston, but Eric Cole will win that matchup in the most non-competitive, gutless fashion. Just uh, a backdoor T9 that he's never one time in the mix. Legitimately, like everyone loves Eric Cole. And I don't have any reason to not like him, but he has mixed one time in his entire career, and it was here. So he plays consistent. I'm just going to have to go with Poston just because he's. I, I have to take my stand against Eric Cole. Yeah, we talked about Eric Cole yesterday, and he – came out of nowhere to mix in this event last year. I think there were some people like deep in the, the uh, mini tour game who knew about him before this tournament last year. And he gained eight putting and he had a simple up and down to win the tournament. All he had to do was get the ball up and down. Chris Kirk slinged it into the water. Uh, It was over. He just had to get up and down. He wins. He does not do that. And he has never actually mixed ever again. Like you can look and see his. St- yeah, he was T five at Mexico, uh, fourth at Fortnite, T three, T two, T three in the fall. He uh, wasn't even close to winning any of those tournaments. Uh, I had him at RSM. I think he was second to Ludwig going into the final round. He shot like a hundred in the final round. He, uh, I think he beats Posty this week just because Posty's course history here kind of sucks. Uh, Posty's playing great golf, but I'll go in the matchup with Cole. But yeah, he, he has no like. He has shown an inability to close the door in tournaments. And I don't think this is a course where I want a guy who's shown an inability. And this goes back to what we talked about last week with a guy like Grio. And I think it it came true with Grio. I don't like a guy who gained eight putting the year before the next year. 
Because yeah, right. Cole's a good putter. Like he could gain eight putting again. He does gain eight putting. Like that's something he does. But give me somebody who gained eight ball striking last year versus a guy who gained eight putting. Yeah, that that putt that Eric Cole made on number five or six on Sunday to <laughs> yeah. make birdie. It was like a triple breaker from eighty feet down a hill, and he sunk it. It would have gone minimum twenty feet by the hole. Hit the flag when I was literally I was sweating that Kirk bet in person. I was I was shocked. And then on the next hole, he went into the water on uh, the par four coming back up, and he made like a 12-foot par p- oh, that's uh, right. bogey save or something like that. I was like, what the fuck, this guy? And then he's there in the playoff. I was very tilted that last year. Yeah, if your guy can make it's, it, six is that tough par four, right, with the water down the left. Yeah, down the left. Guy, so, yeah, it was five to par three. When your guy goes and you're tracking in the app and he plays six, if you can get a par on six, that's you're in. I like that. That's a, a sign of good things to come. Uh, the next matchup for you, this is a matchup of uh, defending champions from the last two years. Chris Kirk and Daniel Berger, who, of course, won this tournament uh, in 2021 almost and then completely mailed it in in the final round. But we'll give that win to Berger. So defending champions, Berger against Kirk. They're both 40 to one somehow, which uh, somehow Berger's 9,200 on DraftKings. Like, I like Berger. I think he played he's played fine so far in his comeback this year. But Chris Kirk just won the century. Uh, I'll take Kirk in the Kirk Burger matchup. But, but what are you thinking? Yeah, that Burger 2020, 2022, 18 to one, one of my toughest beats, six shot lead going into the final round. <laughs> and it was almost like the, like the God, the golf gods knew it was happening. Cause as soon as it was all said and done, the skies opened up. I got absolutely drenched and lost that, lost that bet. But I will go with Burger in this matchup. Wow. Burger has been playing solid golf out of the gates in 2024. Um, he's honestly made some decent gains with the, in the ball striking and approach categories. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. chipped or putt well. It hasn't chipped or putt great, but he's back on a surface that he's super comfortable with, lives in Jupiter, and I don't trust him to be balls to the wall for 72 holes because he's still getting his feet wet, but there's not many more course, courses where Daniel Berger is more comfortable on than PGA National. And Chris Kirk, has I know we talked about this, has lost in the ball striking categories of late. I know he won, but he was – an objectively better ball striking form within the last month leading up to his win last year than he is this year, but he is a winner and has great course history, but I will go with burger. Yeah. He, uh, back to back fourth place finishes second here on debut in 2015. Uh, now that I look at it a little bit closer. Yeah, I do see definitely a burger where the ball striking has been good. His short game was terrible out West, but he, that's not burgers game by any stretch of the imagination. I, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those two where does he get back on Bermuda and does that short game improve? Probably, uh, probably. almost certainly. But at the same time, there's also probably just some rust in that short game right. as oh, well. 100%. Like he even he used he would gain short game even on like West Coast courses before. So I think there's some rust in there. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I I, I like I think Kirk. This is also a course where Kirk just shows up and it doesn't really matter what he's been doing. Right. So I think that's an interesting matchup. The uh, Kirk versus Burgers. Kirk's gone T25, T7 win here. And yeah, he lost approach at Genesis, but like I like longer iron courses. That's not Chris's game. And he gained a shit ton ball striking at Sony. At Sony. Uh, that was, so, it, that might've been the best of his career. I think that was like, his, yeah, yeah, that was so I, I definitely think he could just show back up at, uh, He'll be in the mix. Kirk's mixing. I, I like back to back might be in play. I'm going to give it a, you know, I love to bet a back to back. I haven't done it yet this year. He goes from 30 to one last year to 40 to one this year. 
I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, Luke List, I saw you wrote him up a little bit too. Luke List, uh, now a good putter. He apparently he uh, makes putter. putts. He uh, and it wasn't just uh, Tory or West Coast where he was making putts because Sanderson he made putts. He's just been putting better in general. He's played well here before. Uh, if distance is a little bit more important this year than it was uh, historically, I like Luke List. Then a guy who I didn't even know was playing until a few minutes ago, Justin Rose. Why is Justin yeah. Rose playing this tournament? What's what's going on with that? He doesn't usually play here, does he? Uh, he's played here a few times, I think, but he's got a few oh, top fives, but he's played here 10 times. I think he has multiple top well, fives. He, it, from tw- he played like every year from 2004 to 2015, and then he played in 2020. But yeah, he, he used to be great here. Third T5, T4, back to back to back. Yeah, it's a course that makes sense for him. Not overly long, can lean into solid iron play, but the game is not there at the moment. He's lost a ton over his last few starts in 2024. So I'm not really seeing the Rose uh, win or play w- solid play this week. He was playing much better at around this time last year when he won Pebble. So uh, yeah, I'm going to take a backseat to Rose for sure. Uh, all right, hypothetical three ball time. I think there's some good ones here. That Like you get over 60 to one. There's a lot of interesting names uh, that I think will be in the conversation here. So, yeah, get, let's do Akshay, Norin, and Sebez. Uh, That's a great one. Hypothetical three ball. All of them about 70 to one right now. I'll probably go with Norin. Like, Norin's only playing golf courses right now that he, like, feels like he – I feel like he can contend on and he knows that. And this is a golf course where you have to grind. You just have to, like, have that – war mentality war of attrition steady pars steady grind and norton gives you that he's got great finishes here too like multiple top fives and like Sebez, i love i've said Sebez at pj national the last two years but he's just so like come on what are we doing it's fucking Sebez at devo <laughs> but i i do like i do like Sebez. akshay we're by the water i feel like a few loose driver swings could scare me Great, great question on S3 Ball. This is a three, a really good matchup. I will go with Norrin just because I think he's going to be more consistent over 72 holes. Ricky has absolutely no chance, right? Ricky Pelley? Negative. 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 Yeah, no chance. What are uh, his odds? Uh, 70 to 1. But he was That's like 100. insane, dude. He was like 150 a couple weeks ago. He's just like. At, at the Genesis, though. This is like yeah. the. He's a winner here. I might bet Ricky. I bet Ricky here <laughs> two years ago. If if we could summarize this pod, it's you saying Ricky has a negative chance, and then like 10 seconds later saying that you're thinking about betting it. I bet Ricky here two years ago. And you know who else I bet here that had no chance to win? Matt Wolf. Two two of my worst bets ever. <laughs> but I had burgers, so it's all right. Wolf's playing good. He uh I think he played well in that Oman tournament uh this he year. Did. He did. That was after he played well at uh uh Live Vegas. So Live Vegas. Uh repeat on three repeat on live this week for you. Oh yeah, we'll talk live here in a second. We'll We're gonna know three repeat for sure. Um okay, here's another one. D tree coming off almost a last place finish at uh Mexico. Pendy, who disappointed everybody at Mexico. And I think Rio disappointed people at Mexico too. Rio. So we've got three guys who all disappointed, all kind of the same driver putter uh combinations. Rio does is accuracy over distance, but still driver and putter is his strengths. Which one of these guys is most set up for the bounce back? They're all about 90 to 1. Uh, it's definitely got to be got to be Grio for me. He's just an overall better ball striker than Matt. Gr- no, uh, uh, Rio. He's at Sunit. Oh, I, I, I thought Grio's he was not playing. Like, Rio's not yeah. playing, right? Yeah. No. Okay. Rio's not playing. Rio. Oh, this is a great course for Rio. It's very similar to what we saw in France. Yep. That's what I was saying. You agree? Saying. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Strokes gained. Is there strict strokes gained? Is there a lot of water on the tee shots and approaches? A hundred percent. I think the winning score was like minus 14 too at that. Uh, Kazoo Bad opened the France. Smith. It was minus 14. Yeah. Jordan Smith, terrible beat. Uh, Rasmus was fourth there. So maybe that's a positive sign for Rasmus. Uh, Thor, our boy T10. But yeah, Rio, he, uh, it, last week was not a course for Rio. I saw people talking about Rio no, last no, week. It, too long. I saw that too. Too long for Rio. And short game doesn't matter there. And like Rio, Rio he's not going to win. Uh, he was T30. On the C. No, on the C. On the C. <laughs> he, he might be. We'll, we'll see. I, I do not want to miss Rio's first one. That's for sure. Uh, Shank and Hubbard both high in the model this week. One of them always bound to pop. Uh, there's a Shank hasn't popped in so long that it's bound to happen soon. Shank is going to mix. And these scoring conditions, you like Shank when... Uh, like minus 14 can win. Oh, 100%. And this is almost identical form to coming into Valspar last year. So he wasn't doing anything crazy before Valspar. A few made cuts, a few missed cuts, a few gains, a few losses. But this is a course that Adam Shank, I feel like, can pop on. I guess he's done it in this part of the country before at Valspar. I'm worried. I, I could have been hearing this wrong, but they talked about a, an injury for Shank at Pebble. And he hasn't really like a wrist injury or something. It was the day he was playing in the group with Rory. And then he went out. It was Rory Grant, Xander Shank. And then he went out and, <laughs> and, and smoked right. him. He went out that's and smoked right. him. So maybe that was bullshit. I, and I faded them and lost a lot of money on that. But uh, he hasn't played great since they said that. So what are his odds? And like a 90? Uh, uh, yeah, 90. If you have any thoughts about posting. Bet Shank, because they are very similar golfers, in my opinion, and can pop with the same golf courses. And you're getting double the odds. I would, yeah. And the guy that I just bet instead of any of them, Lucas Glover. I still think it's Glover season. Like the ball striking is yeah. still there. He's played well here before. Uh, it's back to if Glover can putt, he can win. He's been struggling with the putter, but he won at Wyndham. He won at St. Jude. If you can win at those courses, you can win here. Uh, 100 to 1, Lucas Glover. He's going to be under consideration for sure. Which uh, hypothetical three ball here between three Europeans? DP, uh, well, technically one of them's not uh, Ryan Fox, but Sammy Fox, Bobby Mack. Which DP World Tour star are you riding with this week? It's got to be Bobby Mack because he, you, again, you were on him last week. He popped at the right time because even before that pop, PGA National makes sense for Bob Mack. Tougher conditions, ball striking heavy, putter, whatever. I know you got a game with the putter, but just like the fairway green has some distance to him. Well, this is a Bob Mack course, in my opinion, for sure. So I don't have to go with Bob Mack and he's played. Well, he's played everything great except for the putting. He's basically Scottie Scheffler now that we're saying this. So, yeah, Bob Mack in that three ball. Yeah, Bob Mack's stats are nice. That's why I liked him last week because it was a course, obviously, where like distance and tee to green would help you. He gained putting at Sony. That's the only time he's gained anything putting this year. Oh he God. has been driving it long and straight. Do we know these are conditions that Bobby Mack can play well in? Uh, his win at the Italian Open came at minus 14 and he beat Matt Fitz in a playoff and my if Fitz is going to be popular this week so so why not Bobby Mack so yeah uh Bobby Mack officially under strong consideration for Anders. the card this week uh Justin Suh I'm sure you're going to be giving Suh a look right or are you done with Suh? Dude, he, he you were, were you on him last week as well I almost was until the last second then I pulled off very, very pathetic performance at a golf course that made sense for him, in my opinion. But he's coming back to a golf course that he finished top five at last year. The iron play is it's it's odd. He's had weeks where he's gained three, and he's had weeks where he's like lost infinity. 
So I guess that's a good thing in the outright market, very volatile. And still, I still think he is a high-end golfer with a high-end ceiling. I don't think this is the best golf course for him, even though he did finish T5 last year, but he hit the ball well. He He's more of a driver-putter guy, in my opinion. But that could work here. It really can if you're driving it in the fairways and then have to scramble. Uh, so I don't think he's under consideration because I bet this guy so much over the last few months. And like Zozo, he gave me a great sweat. And then the week, a few weeks after that, he gave me another good sweat. But I don't think I can do it again now that I probably am off him. He'll finish like T3 and like maybe win or something. I'm going to have to think about it some more. Uh, Brendan Todd or Billy Ho? Brendan Todd, even though he's not really hitting the ball that great and doesn't have the best course history. Not sure how we can trust Billy Ho. Although, Billy Ho, though. When Billy Ho, yeah. I mean, he the Florida swing is more important to him than the majors than really anything in his life. Like, and he, I listened to the pod on NLU after Phoenix, after he got pissed, they had him on there and uh, he's kind of confident. So keep, keep your eyes on Billy Ho. A guy that I wanted to quickly touch on. He's down here. He's 200 to one. I think he might've been 300 to one. He was 300 to one. So this, the best prices are behind us. CT pawn. Uh, when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he's not, but he was T three last week. He has been great here. T16, T3, T17 at Honda. Uh, You ride him when he's hot. We know he won. uh, He won. Was it uh, RBC? He won at Hilton Head? Yeah. So that's a great comp. Uh, Went to the University of Washington. We obviously love that. I once hit balls next to him on the UW driving range. So keep your eyes peeled. Last year, he went fourth T3 in back-to-back starts. Like when CT gets it going, he gets it going. He's either going to miss the cut or finish top 10. So I would not like him in like DFS or anything like that. But for like a placement at long odds, CT Pond, keep your eyes peeled. And then uh, a guy who fits this course, who is a terrible golfer, uh, Alexander Bjork. Are you going to have your eyes mm. on Bjork this week? If he can hit the fairways, he will make some noise, whether that's in the first round or down the stretch. Uh, it's all about the fairways. And I wrote this up. The past, some of the courses he's played, They've been longer courses. He's probably stretched out really hard to hit those drivers, really trying to hit it harder. And I had the same take about Cam Smith at some field at some wow. at some point in his career. When when longer courses where driving accuracy is still important, like total driving and stuff like that, Cam Smith kind of struggled on. But courses where it's a little bit shorter, you don't have to hit that 320 drive. You could just hit your 270 ball, whatever, and then lean on your iron play. So I like Bjork at a spot like this. Really quick back to CT Pan. He's got Fluff, Fluff Cowan on the bag, former caddy mm. of Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk has like five T5s here or five T10s, just a nugget. <laughs> Put that one in your models, folks. Put that that is That is a good point. Uh, but yeah, Bjork, uh, a lot of people have compared him to Cam Smith, so look out for him winning the Open this year. Uh, and the players, like every like this guy, there you go. That's a, that's a clip it and, and post it comparison. Alexander Bjork and Cam Smith. But honestly, players, they, players. They, do, they do kind of the same things. Uh, Doug Gim, by the way, he uh, keep your eyes out on Gim. He's he's getting warmed up for the players, so he's going to be contending here uh, again. That, uh, that, oh, one more guy. You got to talk about him. Anytime that we're hitting shorter irons and we're playing on Bermuda, Ben Griffin, he's uh, not going to win because he can't win, but you have to always check the Consider. odds on Ben Griffin in conditions. You, like you're going to you're gonna get 100 plus, even though the his form hasn't been good. The odds are great at a course that he's played well on historically. 
or style, of course, at least. Yeah, I, I think I bet him here last year. Yeah, T21 here last year doing almost everything with the putter, which is what he's going to do. That's his game. So that's the Cognizant Classic. Uh, Jerzlaw boots on the ground tomorrow. He is going to let us know some insights. He's going to let us know who's swinging it nice. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then, yeah, we have Liv back this week. Liv Jetta, uh, I believe, third straight year. Uh, yeah, and there you go. The man, Honda last year. The man wears the same outfit every day. The Lord Abbott uh, polo. He always looks great. I love when he makes his putts, the little waves that he does. One of the better guys uh, to watch on the PGA Tour, Ben Griffin. So yeah, have him under consideration. But Liv Jetta, Brooks Kepka, this is his course. Peter Yu, this is also his course. We saw... I haven't done much research at all in this tournament. I do plan on hitting a third straight winner uh, on live. It's the only two where I can hit winners on this year, but you, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. They just all, most of these guys, a lot of them just played in Oman, which I would think the Oman setup has got to be somewhat similar to the Saudi Arabia setup. We're in the desert, right? Yeah. Ortiz won that event, but you know, you, you mentioned it was Brooks course, Pete used course. You know who else, you know, whose course it actually is sadly, because he just won last week, Dustin Johnson. The, they played the Saudi International here since 2019. He's got two wins and a T2. So DJ, back-to-back, maybe. But I know we'll, we'll, we'll get there and I'll let you give your case, but I do have the winner here. And sadly, you're not going to like it. Uh, actually, since I've done no research, yeah, just give give me the winner. Uh, and I, maybe I will it's, like it. Yeah, you're not going to like it. I It's not pretty. The winner is going to be John Rahm this week. Oh, no. Five and a half to one. He has one of he's one of two golfers to be in the top five in both greens and regulation and birdie or better on the live tour so far. It's going to be important this week, obviously as it is every single week on live. But John Rom nearly won two straight weeks shanking balls. That will come back down to earth. He's still got that drive in him, and we're heading to a golf course that Brooks and Dustin have dominated. That's right up Rom's alley, even though he's not played there. So it's inevitable. It's, I didn't. I don't do this every week, but a five to one bet is going to win on live this week. To be fair, uh, he was like he's been like three fifty, so you are getting some value there relative to what his odds were uh, first three starts. I'm considering going back to the well on Jocko because he's played well here before as well. He's the other player in that in that one of two players I mentioned. Oh well, there you go. And uh, he was just third last week in Oman. He's flying high now that he's got his Masters invitation. So that. It, that could go either way. He could stop caring. Uh, but I think he's he looks motivated. He just he played last week. That'd be my only concern with Rom is like Rom hasn't. I mean, who knows what Rom's been up to? He's been right. doing interviews, hanging out. YouTube golf. Uh, Sergio, like there's actually Sergio's played well here. There's a reasonable amount of Mayakoba uh, overlap with these leaderboards. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll be talking live uh, and Discord. We'll have the picks up on the site. But yeah, my early lean when I just was thinking about this tournament was why couldn't Jocko uh, win again? Have you seen the odds? Do we know? Do we know what his odds are? Uh, I only looked at at Rom. I think he's around uh, fourteen or sixteen, something like that. But he was literally the other. He was the other guy in that category. So yeah, I definitely would agree with you. All right. All right, yeah, we'll check that out. Yeah, I'd love it. it. 12, I'm afraid he'll be 12. If he's 12, then I'm probably out. But if he's 14, uh, I might be in. And who? I assume Brooks is like 6-1 to one or something, 7-1, to one, something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, Brooks has got to be up there because he's trying to be the first uh, four-time winner on Live and the first three-time defending champion. Uh, yep, and if you – the yeah, I've talked about this. Brooks, I think – Last I checked was 19 to one on FanDuel for the Masters. Brooks is my pick to win the Masters. I'm keeping it simple this year. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm 
starting to like put a little bit on when I see the odds go up. Because like if he wins Jetta this week, which he easily could, then I think his major odds go back down. So if you like Brooks, this is probably a good time to get some uh, exposure parlay to it. Brooks at Augusta. Yeah, parlay it. And I think that like, uh, and speaking of parlays, parlay your uh, bet with the uh, team winner on live. That's an easy one uh, to do. That's actually probably the best way to play Rom is to parlay Rom. Rom with, 13, yeah. Rom with Legion, uh, Legion 13. But I'll do that. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was just going to say. With all of these guys not winning on the PGA Tour, the best, the Scotties, the Xanders, the Cantleys. Best. Why wouldn't we just like Brooks nineteen to one at the Masters? He's more like he's as likely to win the tournament as anybody. Like I just don't see like it doesn't make sense. Why not Brooks? You know? That's, yeah, and they're playing at uh, two events leading right leading up to the Masters. So and it's yeah, why I don't it, Brooks only wins majors when he plays the week before. He's five. All five of his major wins have come when he played the week before the tournament. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna start sprinkling Brooks as we get closer to the Masters here. But Matt, appreciate it. Any uh, closing thoughts? Anything else we need to know about the Palm Beaches? What's what's the Give me one unknown fact, not about the course necessarily, but just about the area that you just know because it's your uh, home neck of the woods. What's something people wouldn't know? Uh, basically, if you looked at me right on this podcast, I look like I don't belong in the Palm Beaches. It is just above all of our pay grades. Okay. There you go. That's the fun fact. You're just out there. Well, that's how I kind of, Manhattan's the same way. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So if you fake it till you make it type of thing. So appreciate you hopping on. Uh, also, a uh, basketball pick for tonight. I'm on TCU uh, against Baylor. I think they defend the home court. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, that is the like I can see both ways happening. One pick today, NC Central is my pick. So, what are you, uh, what conference is NC Central in? The MIAC. Okay. All right. Yeah, we got conference tournament season coming up. Jersey and I might be doing some basketball stuff. We got to figure it out. But uh, with this next month is as good as it gets for college hoops. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Vincerix Golf, Vincerix underscore golf on Twitter. I'm getting that going. We're going to be tweeting stuff out from there uh, going forward. There's also obviously Vincerix underscore hoops. False there. Like and subscribe. Uh, get to golf.vincerix.com to check out the odds and the model. And then uh, Vincerix.com for the write ups and uh, more in depth model. Thanks, Jersey. And I appreciate everybody for listening. Peace out.